Well, bless God, I want to welcome everybody that is watching this broadcast. If you watch the live broadcast, welcome. Um, if you're watching it in the archive, I believe that you're going to enjoy this and be touched by this message today. God has really given me something special and I know it's going to touch your life and impact your life as it did mine. So many times when it comes to the love of God, people think that the love of God is this whole emotional thing. You know, God is feeling emotional about me. And a lot of messages are about the emotion that is in the heart of God. And we will talk a little bit about that as well today. But emotional love is, is more beneficial for the person who feels it than for the, for the person that it is towards. And I thank God that His love was not just emotional, He didn't just feel it, but that He did something concrete in Jesus Christ so that we can benefit of or out of His love or from His love today, so that we can live through Him. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Um, I would just like to, I, I, mean, I want you just to relax Open your heart to this gospel. Know that we're not going to bring any condemnation towards you. We're not going to bring any judgment towards you. It's just going to be all about the love of God. The vision that is in my heart is to preach this gospel as pure as possible with utterance, as what Paul said. Pray that I will have utterance and um, to preach it with utterance and to say it in a way that it can produce faith in the hearts of people to bring the truth about the gospel, the truth about what God has done for man. You know, the other day, I, um, I just came to this realization. We don't have to add to the goodness of God to make the gospel powerful. The gospel in its purest form has got enough power to save man. Hallelujah. We don't have to add to the goodness of God. We don't have to take anything away from the goodness of God. We don't have to add any law. And we don't have to add unbelief or anything like that to the gospel. And we can simply say, listen, this is what Jesus Christ has done. Let you, let's hear this word and then we simply open our heart and say that's what we accept. When we accept the gospel, the focus is not upon us. The focus is on what great salvation we are accepting and saying, I make myself part of this. There's a wonderful scripture in, um, I think it's Romans. Let me just read this to you quickly in Romans 16. Um, I read this last night. And just speaking about the way in which people accept Jesus Christ and how we accept this gospel. You know, if you're watching this, maybe you just came upon this channel for the first time in your life or you're watching this for the first time in your life. I want to say this to you. God has been so good to you 2,000 years ago. And um, while people were in their sins, God made a decision uh, to, to pay for the sins of the world. So whosoever can accept His unconditional love can have life and life more abundantly. I love the, the, just the way in which God has set us free. He has set us completely free. And that means He has set us free to the place where we can even choose freedom or reject freedom. Now, I don't want to put the focus on you and say, oh yeah, you must now choose freedom or you must now... I don't want to put you under any law, but that is just the, sim the, 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 the simplicity of the gospel. The liberty of Christ and the, the way He has liberated us is so great that we can even choose to reject what He has given unto us. So, when you hear the gospel of God's unconditional love, when you hear the gospel of God's grace, um, don't let your heart be hardened by the law message. Don't let your heart be hardened by a message that just produces um, unbelief, but open your heart and say, God, I just know you love me so much, you made this possible for me. Romans 16 verse, I think it's in verse 7, I hope I can find it. It says, Salute Andronokos and Junia, my kinsmen, and my fellow prisoners, who are of note amongst the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. So here Paul comes and he says something very um, significant. He says here that there were people that were in Christ before him. That means that everybody is not in Christ. Because there were people that were in Christ before Paul. So Paul wasn't in Christ 2,000 years ago. All of mankind weren't in Christ already 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. 2,000 years ago, he brought forth a way unto salvation and opened the way unto the most holy place. So that whosoever wants can walk through that way and partake of Christ. And when we partake of Christ, then we have Christ in us and we are in Christ. And once we are in Christ, 
then we are in a place where we discover and uh, um, just see how high, how wide, how deep and how long the love of God is. Now, when we are in, in these sessions, the vision that I have is like Ephesians 3 from verse 14 says. We pray that our hearts will be strengthened with might in the inner man that we might be able to comprehend how high, how wide, how deep and how long the love of Christ is so that we might be filled with the very fullness of God. Speaking about um, our immortal bodies when in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I also believe that it includes in our minds, that our minds can be saturated with the dimensions of the love of God and the reality of Christ. Like it says in Hebrews, he who believes has entered into the rest. But he that, doesn't have, that has not believed this gospel has not entered into the rest of God. So, we want to preach a gospel here at Dynamic Web Church, a message that can, that can trigger your heart unto belief, that can trigger your heart unto true faith, so that you can also experience that true rest. And once you've experienced that rest, the vision is that this message will keep you in that rest. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 13, I think it's 13, it says, um, have double respect for those that are over you in the Lord, for they watch out for your souls. And uh, that is exactly what we want to do here at Dynamic Web Church. Maybe you don't have a have a church that you go to. This is your only church. Um, this is the message that you listen to week by week and encourages you. The vision that we have is to guard over your soul so that, you can, so that we can see what is out there that can um, trick you out of this gospel of grace and make sure that we continue to give you this message and so that your hearts, hearts can be strengthened um, with this gospel, that we can be, wait patiently for the return of the Lord, where we will experience the salvation of our bodies. Isn't that awesome? Now, I want to just say something quickly about finances. Um, in Man, you know, I can't believe it. The, we've got a little bird, and that bird ate all the... I thought just one, but it's more than one. I, I, it's difficult to find the book. He ate these, you know, these things where you press with your thumb. He ate them. <laughs> Can you believe that? Well, okay, we, let's go to uh, Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. And to me, this is a, a very powerful way. Uh, that's Philemon. Philippians chapter 4, where it speaks on um, just the way in which God provides for us. And what Paul wrote here in Philippians 4 is so in line with what Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 6. And it brings so much peace to me. You know, um, you might say back, but why do you basically in every session speak on finances? It's because you receive bills on a weekly basis. And because um, there is a daily, through the news and everything, everybody speaks on finances. And the world bombards man with a negative concept on finances and that we will not have enough. And they spread their gospel of fear, their message of fear. But what we are doing is we are spreading the message that produces stability, that produces contentment, and that gives you absolute peace when it comes to your finances. Now, this is what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. It says, But my God shall meet all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, that is so powerful. It says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory. Now, Romans 6 verse 4 says, that Jesus Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of God. So, what it means here is that He shall meet all our needs according, uh, in accordance to the riches of His resurrection power. It also says in Ephesians that we might comprehend what is the riches of His resurrection power that works towards us that believe. So, I want to say to you, you don't have to fear. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that is active towards you from God to meet your every need. Hallelujah. And the more you study and see how God loves you, the more you'll find contentment in the person of God, the more you'll find contentment in who you are in Christ, the more you'll find contentment in how much God loves you. And the more you find that, you will find the less uh, uh, um, the, the things of this world mean, the less value what you drive have. Uh, has the less value what you wear has your your life changes now you can't change that by your own power that is just a fruit of knowing who you are in Christ 
and to say, well, I'm going to try and know Christ to change this in my life. Just forget about that. Forget about the thing that you feel is a shortcoming in your life. Forget about it completely. And simply focus upon what Christ has done for you and just keep on focusing. You will find a change in your heart. It sounds too easy, but I tell you, that is what I've experienced in my own life and that is what the Bible teaches. Amen. Now, this goodness of God, the fact that God provides for us on the basis of His goodness and His glory, and that is not by our giving or by our tithing or anything like that, but by Christ Jesus, gives us reason in our hearts to worship. One of the greatest things that I've seen when it comes to this gospel is it sets us free to be like Christ. So when it comes to giving, we are not afraid anymore. We do it because it's in our hearts. And we want to be part of the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. This gospel of, of Jesus, the fact that He always meets our needs, the fact that His, His Spirit and His nature is poured out inside our hearts, gives us a brand new way of thinking um, about, about God. It gives us a brand new way of living. It, it sets us free from being self-centered. Isn't that awesome? We become God-centered and we start to love our neighbor. Hallelujah. So, um, I, I thank God. You know, we haven't been set free to sin. Under the law, there was basically no law that could stop us to sin. But under grace, we've been set free from sin. We've been set free from a law mindset. We've been set free from the, the sinful nature. We've been set free from the power of sin. We've been set free from the dominion of sin. We've been set free from our own lust to be like God by our own power. We've been set free from so many things. We've been free to do whatsoever we desire by the Holy Spirit that indwells us. Isn't that so, so powerful? Well, um, we're going to go over to worship. I, I think we've got more than enough reason to worship God. And as we go over to, this worship, to these worship songs, just open your heart. Sing along and just let it touch your heart in a great, great way. And um, I, I know, and, and I just want to bring it under your attention. When we sing, you know, those words are grace-based words. So, let it touch your mind. Let it touch your heart. Sing with it. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much and just enjoy this worship. Well, thank God for that. Thank God that He is a good God and that He loves us and that we can just sing worship songs towards Him and know that we can worship Him and His majesty and how... Great he is and what he's done for us. Right, we're going to go to First John chapter 4 and um, just speak a little bit about the love of God. The greatest thing that God is concerned about when it comes to love and, and his love for you and you living in love is not how much you love God. He is not concerned about your love for him. He's concerned about how much or if you understand and can see that he loves you. And that you can see His love for what it truly is. If I come to you and I say to you, God loves you, or I've got a nice bumper sticker on my car, or um, I write to everybody just, God loves you, God loves you, they might say, okay, I believe God loves me. But what God is concerned about is if you can see the manifestation of His love. Because if you can see the manifestation of His love, you will experience life, and you will, uh, His purpose will be accomplished in you. Amen. So, let's go and read First John chapter 4, and from verse 9 it says, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Then verse 10, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the sacrifice for our sins. So, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Um, then it says here, and I, I just want to read this verse 15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in Him and He in God. So what he basically says is here in His love that God gave His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. So the moment you can see that my sins has been paid for in Christ, the moment we can see that I've been made righteous, and righteousness comes through Jesus Christ as a free gift to all the world, and in our minds we can part from the law system by which 
we, or in which we grew up, and we can confess, we can come to the place where we can say, I confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, uh, when, when John wrote to the people, and they had a certain mindset when they said that Jesus is the Son of God. There was something they understood about that. They understood that He was the Messiah. He was the one that came to break the yoke off the backs of God's people. He was the one that came and brought true rulership and a new kingdom towards people. So when people can confess and say that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the one that came to bring us deliverance. Jesus is the one that gives us freedom and life free from the law. He's the one that basically broke the law system from off our backs and gave us a new life. The moment we can come to that realization and see that He loved us so much that He gave His Son or Himself as the sacrifice for our sins, and the moment we confess that, then we start to partake of God, and the life that God intended for us starts to dwell inside us. Now, um, many times we think that if we part from our sins, if we leave our sins, that's what will bring forth holiness in our lives. Now, that is not really true. So many times we think that, you know, if I can just live right, and do right, then God is going to bless me, then I'll be acceptable in the sight of God by my actions. Now that is actually what God came to set us free from, is that mindset that I've just mentioned. The mindset that says, I am what I do, that mindset, God has come to set us free from that, because that is not the, that is actually called iniquity. The mindset that says, well, I look at my own ability, and by my own ability, I lift myself up to a level where I say I can attain unto the very level of God by applying the power that is inside me by willpower. And that is called iniquity. That was what was found in Satan. We're going to look at that. And, um, and there's a way in which that iniquity can be purged from you. So what we are looking at today is not how can we stop our sins, but how can we be delivered from a law mindset. How can we be delivered from a place where we are not experiencing the love of God? Where we are not experiencing um, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit inside us? This is what it says here in First uh, John 4.13 Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and that He is and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. So the moment we receive the Spirit of God that word Spirit I, I would actually have translated it more like nature. When we see His nature in us, because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, because we are a partaker of this love, we've come to the conclusion that we don't live by our works anymore. We don't live by our efforts anymore. But we live by His life that He lived on behalf of all of man. The moment we come to that, the moment we come to that realization, all that Christ has done on behalf of man becomes a reality in our lives. And that is why the Bible says in Romans 6, we are baptized into His death. So when we are baptized, and it speaks of water baptism there is, when we give ourselves for the gospel of Jesus, say that's what I believe in, and you get baptized, then are you baptized into His death. So then, then I can say that He died my death. He was re resurrected on behalf of me because I got baptized into that. And when I'm baptized into that, what am I really baptized into? I'm baptized into the death that says He died unto the law. He died the death of man and the man that related to God through the law uh, unto righteousness is dead and that the new man, Christ, who lives by the Spirit that raised Him from the dead, is alive and I'm baptized into that. Therefore, I am dead to the law and I'm alive unto God through Jesus Christ. And the life that I live right now, I'm not living unto Moses. I'm not living unto the law. I'm not living unto my own works and my own efforts. But I'm living the very life of Christ that is already indwelling me. Now, uh, let's go to... Um, Proverbs, Proverbs 16. And this is just an awesome, awesome scripture. Proverbs 16. Now, before I get into that, I want to just recap on what I've just said, just to get your mind, uh, um, just everything in a row there. The first thing is, 
we read First John where it says that here in His love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us, and that God is not concerned about our love for Him, but is concerned if we can realize how much He loves us. What is His love? His love is this, here in His love, that we are set free from a law system and that we can, and that He took our sins upon Him and that we are justified by the life of Jesus Christ. And how do we have access into that? By believing and confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, which was also the Son of Man, and He made all this possible for us. The moment we do that, we find that we get delivered from the law system and the Spirit of God starts to live in and through us. Right, now let's go to Proverbs 16 and I'm going to touch on some things here that's going to be so profound, such a blessing. It says in Proverbs 16 verse 6, it says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Now there's something very powerful in the beginning of verse 6 there. It says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Let's just go to, um, I want to read this just from the Amplified here. It says, By mercy and love, truth and fidelity, not by sacrificial offerings, iniquity is purged out of the heart. And by the reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord, men depart from and avoid evil. Now, this is so, so powerful. Let's just take this from the... uh, from from the. um, This is the Amplified. Let's read this again. It says, By mercy and love, truth and fidelity. Fidelity means safety or protection. Not by sacrificial offerings. Iniquity is purged out of the heart. Now, what is iniquity? When we look at iniquity, we can go to um, Ezekiel 28 verse 16. Let's go to Ezekiel 28 verse 16 and uh, we'll just lay the foundation here. Ezekiel 28 verse 16. I think it's 16. Um, It speaks about uh, a king here in the Old Testament. Let's read from verse 14. It says, And this king was an anointed cherub. It says, And you are the anointed cherub that covers. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in, um, in your ways from the day that you were created. Till iniquity was found in thee. And this iniquity was by the multitude of your merchandise or traffic or uh, I would use that word merchandise as ability. Because of the greatness of your ability, they filled the midst of thee with violence. Um, That word violence also means wrong. Um, And you have sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as a profane out of the mountain of God. Now, the way I see this, I, I see there is, I do believe it speaks just about an, a normal earthly king, but there's also significance concerning that, and I believe it speaks of a cherub that covered, it speaks about Satan, I believe, as well. It can, in, in typology, we can see it as that as well. So, um, what I see there, and there's something very profound here, it says that when he was, in, in Proverbs 16 it says that iniquity is purged from our hearts by mercy and truth. Then it says here that Satan um, was cast out of heaven because iniquity was found within him. And this iniquity was found within him because, because of the multitude of what he got right. So, and then inside him was found something wrong because, in, because he looked at what he could get right. And then it says this wrong that was found inside you you know, was not allowed in heaven. And I, I believe that the Bible also says that his heart was filled with pride and he was starting to think too much of himself. And, and I believe one can't think too much of yourself outside Jesus Christ. When you start to think that the things that God does comes out of your own power and your own cleverness and all those type of things, I want to tell you, you are starting to fall back under what is wrong and iniquity. So, in the mountain of God, on, on the place of God, in the glory of God, there's no place for the mindset that says, well, look at my ability, 
you know, I can get things right by my own ability. There's no place for that. And that mindset, I believe, is what is called iniquity in the Bible. And iniquity has got, brings forth sin. It says, iniquity was found within you. It says, and that was something that was wrong, and then he sinned. So first iniquity was found, and then he sinned. Now we clearly know that the Word of God teaches that that by the law is the knowledge of sin, and that the law was given so that um, sin might become exceedingly sinful. Now the moment we come with a mindset that says, I am not, I must become, you know, or I'll become by my own ability and my own power, you know, and I will repent from my sins, and I will live a holy life, and I'm going to make things right now between me and God. That mindset is already iniquity. And God has come to deliver man from that. God has come to deliver man from that. Now let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And um, just read, I think it's Romans, sorry. Yeah, I think it's Romans 10. Which speaks about the two different types of righteousness. Romans 10. We talks about the, the Jewish people and, and how they found their righteousness and all of that. It says here, My brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And then it talks about the other type of righteousness. It says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. So, um, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. But to those who don't believe, Christ is not the end of the law for righteousness because they still got their own law and they're still trying to attain unto righteousness by the law of Moses. So, what I see here is that iniquity, according to just the way I see this, and you can go and check this out if you like, Iniquity that is found in the heart of a person is the very thing that people think that, they, that there's another way unto righteousness outside what Jesus Christ has done. That is iniquity. So what would be the iniquity or the root that brings forth sin in the lives of the, the Israelites according to Romans chapter 10? It would be the mindset that says that I am justified by my works. That mindset is iniquity. And that then brings forth sin, where they don't qualify. Now, if we go back to uh, Proverbs 16, listen to this. It says, By mercy and love, truth and safety, not by sacrificial offerings or by our efforts, iniquity is purged out of the heart. Now, what is your heart? Your heart is your belief system. By knowing and understanding God's unconditional love, how merciful He is, how safe we are in Christ, the truth about our sins, and the truth about who we are in Christ, that will purge your heart from that deadly belief system. Now, so many times we think that we only need purging from our sins. Purging from our sins or cleansing from our sins is also a fruit. We are saved from our sins. You know, the Bible clearly states that we've been saved from, um, from uh, uh, immoral behavior. We've been saved from adultery. We've been saved from stealing and lying and all those type of things. We've been delivered from all those things. We have been part of darkness, but now we are part of the kingdom of light. And we render our members as servants unto God, wherein God can now live and manifest and have His being manifesting Himself in us. So we don't just believe unto righteousness, but we also make our bodies and our actions and our works and our mind available for God to manifest this awesome truth that is inside us. So it's not us trying to do that, but it's making that available to God, and then God lives in that area of our lives. So, um, the only way we're going to get that law system out of our minds is not by, uh, the only way we're going to get it out of our minds is by continuing to look at what Christ has done for us and how He has fulfilled the law. Can you see that iniquity, which is a mindset that says, um, by what I do, I become. 
It's a mindset that says, by my works I will be, which is the root from where sin flows forth, cannot be purged by a law system, for it is the very system. So the more you get under do's and don'ts, behavior modification, well, I'm going to get my life now right with God by my own power, well, I'm now going to be pleasing to God for, I'm going to stop this, 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 this and this. The more you hear messages like that, the more you listen to that, the more you think like that, the deeper and more you are flooded and filled with iniquity. That is iniquity. That strengthens iniquity. That is the fruit of iniquity. Because if you go and look at Romans here, Romans 10, it says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about, that would ignorant, so many times we, uh, uh, we, we think that people are ignorant because they have not heard. Some people are ignorant willfully. They don't want to hear. And you just want to be ignorant. I've seen that, I've seen that, that so many times. People, they, they, they turn such a deaf ear that they cannot hear it and therefore they're ignorant for they are rejecting. Okay? For, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted them unto the righteousness of God. So, if you're not, if you're not having part in the righteousness of God, there's iniquity. Now, what I, what, what I see here is, that God says, from the day that this king was made um, in Ezekiel, he was perfect. From the day he was, the day he was created, he was just perfect. Now, in the Old Testament, we don't find perfect people. The Bible says there's no one righteous, no, not one in the Old Testament. So, but this this one, the cherub that that that, that ruled or that was governing and that covered. He was perfect from the day in which he was created on the mountain of God with perfection. And then one day iniquity was found within him because he was mindful of his own abilities. And then out of looking at own ability and what he got right in his power, he became high-minded and something wrong was found inside him. And therefore... God said, there's no more place for you on my mountain or in my glory or from the place where I rule, for that's not the way in which God rules. Now, in, in, if we go to Proverbs, we can clearly see that that iniquity, that mindset that I believe with all my heart was found um, and originated in Satan, which is, and that seed is in many people. Many people say, how will I get that out of my life? I just find that I... I drift towards the law before I see again. I'm into do's and don'ts. It's like I spoke to a good friend of mine last night. He said to me, you know, Bertie, it is so many times we just listen to something on television and before we see, we're back in, in, in the law. We drift towards the law. It's like this guy who was preaching on tithing, you know, and he says, listen, man, you, you, you shouldn't... L- listen, now listen to this. You shouldn't tithe if you don't feel like it because then it's a law. You shouldn't tithe if, if, if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you to do it. For then you're also under the law. Because God loves, loves it if you cheerfully give. But when you give over to the tithe principle, which the Holy Spirit will work in you, and you're obedient to God working it in you, and it doesn't come by you feeling forced to do it, but by the leading of the Spirit, then your finances will multiply and you'll be blessed. It sounds so right, but it's so wrong. Because that is not true. We are not blessed by the tithe. We are simply blessed by His riches in glory, supplying all our needs by Jesus Christ. And that is it. That's clear. We, we don't have to twist things. You know, you get the thing of the leper. There's ten lepers. You, you know, they all went away. One came back and he said, thank you. And then people preached tithing out of that. You know, that one-tenth must come back to say thank you to God. No, it's, it's just, that is not the gospel. It's, it's not, you know, there's so many things that it drifts, and people say, but we easily drift towards the law. But how do we get this mindset completely rooted out of our system? It says clearly here, in Proverbs 16, By mercy and love 
So what is mercy? Let's go into these words. What is mercy? Mercy is God treating you better than what you deserve. So for you to have iniquity stripped out of your heart, you need to um, look at God's mercy. Now, I just feel the Holy Spirit is, is, is telling me something here and, and I want to say this. Before you don't see the mindset that says, I am not, but I need to become as iniquity and as sin, you will still desire that. We must come to a place where we realize, but that is the root of all evil, man. That is the root of sin. That is from where everything came forth, where people say, well, I, I must become, I must do. I, I don't want to be as God by God indwelling me and God living inside me. I want to be by my own power and I look at my own ability and I realize that I must fix my problems by getting my act together and doing things right. If The moment we can see that that is the source of the problem and can see that as iniquity, our hearts will drift away from that because God has made man as somebody that his heart drifts towards what is good and lovely. The only problem is, is that Satan comes and twists what is evil to look like as if it's good, so that we can, be, we can drift towards that and partake of that in such a way deceives people and kill people. So I want to tell you, don't think, you know, that this, oh, you know, you are this, we, we just, don't make light of iniquity. Don't make light of the law system. It clearly says here in Romans chapter 10 that um, for Christ, it says here that people are ignorant of the righteousness of God. They were ignorant of righteousness and they went and established their own righteousness by the law of Moses. And because of that, Paul says, I wish they can be saved. So this iniquity, what it produces in them is that they are not on the mountain of God. They're not in the place where there is salvation. They're not in the place where there is righteousness. They are not saved. So people, we can't take this thing of iniquity as just something light. We can't take it lightly. This is a life and death matter. It is such a great thing that God had to send His Son to deliver man from iniquity. It had to be the Son of God come and that there could, that there could be, def, that definition could be given to mercy, that definition could be given to love, and that definition could be given to truth and safety, so that iniquity can be purged from the heart. A new definition had to be given to worship, so that man could depart from evil. And avoid evil. What is evil? The greatest evil you can ever find is the mindset that says, I'm going to be justified by my works. There's nothing more evil that has ever come into this world. That is the greatest evil that has ever happened to man. The greatest evil ever happened to man uh, um, in... in, uh, what, what is the scripture, Genesis chapter 3, the greatest evil that ever happened there was simply where Adam and Eve was tempted. The, the greatest thing that we must realize is that iniquity is, we, we can't play games with it. We can't come to a place where we say, well, you know, um, we, we make place for the law. The greatest iniquity, the greatest thing that has ever happened to man is found in Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve was tempted of the devil to fall into a law system where they find that they are, can be like God by knowing right and wrong. That's what caused the fall of man and the fall of man was so great that only God could restore that. Now we want to make light of iniquity. We can't make light of iniquity. Iniquity is what is keeping most of the Israelites today unsaved. People, I want to say this thing, and, 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 and you know there's this doctrine going around, everybody is saved. Everybody is not saved. Salvation has appeared for every man. And whosoever believes is saved. 
if, if, if we want to twist that, we must just tear out about 400 scriptures out of the New Testament. And we can't do that. Then we must start our own gospel and, um, and, and live by something that is not based on the Word of God. The, the Israelites, here, here it comes, Paul says, my, my heart, my desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Why? Because they are in iniquity, they are in sin. What is their sin? That causes them not to be saved and causes them to be in a place where Paul's desire and actually there's, there's, there's like this, um, I almost pick up a little bit of an anxiety here, saying, I wish they can be saved. What caused that? That is iniquity which is the mindset that they worked up their own righteousness by a law system. And that is not what God wants for us. That is not God's desire for man. Amen. God wants us to be saved. How? By submitting to the righteousness of God. What is this righteousness of God? It is the message of God's mercy. By mercy and love, truth and fidelity, iniquity is purged out of the heart. So what I want you to know is when you get into the gospel of grace, and I'm repeating myself, but I want you to hear this. When you get into the gospel of grace, don't just think that God's now going to get my sins to get out of my life. Yes, we also save from our sins. But the, the reason why we are delivered from our sins is because iniquity is purged from our hearts. The law mindset is being taken out of our hearts, taken away from us. And when the law mindset is taken away from our hearts and we come to a place where we identify with Christ and what He's done for us, the Bible says identify yourself with Christ. When we see that He died our death, He obeyed our obedience, He was resurrected in newness of life and I get baptized into that life, then His death is my death, then His resurrection is my resurrection and His righteousness is my very righteousness and His life is my life and that's how I am then set free from sin in my life because I've been set free from iniquity that was in my heart. Don't tolerate the do's and don'ts behavior modification message because that kills you and that can cause you not to be saved. Now you might say, but Bertie, you're using fear as a motivator. I'm not using fear as a motivator. I'm just, I just believe we want to see the reality the way Paul saw reality in 2 Corinthians 5. Let's just go to 2 Corinthians 5 and, um, and just see the, the power of the reality um, wherein man stands. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Listen to this. I first want to read a scripture which we've always quoted and I will continue to quote. It says in verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ pushes me forward because... I thus judge that if one died, then all are dead, and that he died for all that they which live, which the people that are on the earth, should live, should not henceforth live themselves, but him that died and rose again. So what he is saying here is that, he's mindful of this thing, that Jesus died, and the death that he died was to deliver man from the law system, therefore he preaches to all the people that are alive that they should now function by what Christ has done for them. But there's another scripture here in verse 11. It says here from verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone might receive the things which is done in his body according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. The context there is belief. So what it says is everybody will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to see what they believed. Then verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest unto your conscience. So, um, then it says, we don't try to portray ourselves. What we want to bring forth is what Christ has done for man. It says, for we know the terror of the Lord, that we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That people have to, ha have to be in a place where they, in their body, they grabbed the hold of the gospel of Jesus and believed what Christ has done for them. For this iniquity destroys the lives of people into eternal destruction. But the life of Christ will give us life into eternal life. If we can believe and say this has happened to me and I partake of this awesome life that God has given me. For God has delivered man from slavery 
to a place where he's opened the way unto the most holy place. According to Hebrews 3, then he says, Let us therefore run boldly into the throne room of grace, for he's opened the way. He's torn the veil. Amen. We can now go in boldly. If the veil is torn and we don't go in, guess what? With a torn veil, you stand outside. That is just the way it is. Now, we can say about the, the veil is torn, that means the most holy place is now everywhere. There's also a truth in that, in, in, in typology, but there's also another type and a shadow where we see that it is for man to enter in now and come to the throne of grace, because if you don't come to the throne of grace, you will not obtain the mercy and the grace that God has given you. Now, let's not say, well, I'm going to embrace this do's and don'ts behavior modification gospel. Because the do's and don'ts behavior modification gospel does not purge you from iniquity. Iniquity is active in your life and kills you. By mercy and love, truth and fidelity. Mercy, God treating you better than you deserve. Love, we will have a look at love. Truth. Now we will have a look at truth. And fidelity, safety. That word safety means to be in a place where you don't feel a threat or threatened. That is safety. I've been in Rustenburg recently and we preached in a conference there. I tell you, <laughs> even if I don't see any thief, just the, 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 the amount of, uh, um, you know, burglar proofy and safety gates. I mean, to get to my room, I had to go through a massive safety gate with electric fencing on top. Then there was another door, another safety door, the door to my room. So I have to, I have to get to four doors to get. If I want to go onto the patio, I, th there was a, a, a door that I had to unlock and then safety gates with two locks just to get out of the room onto the patio. Just that doesn't, that doesn't make me feel safe. It's too much burglar proofing. It speaks of something. You know, I don't feel safe. Now it says here, when we come to the presence of God, we must experience, according to the, uh, uh, um, the Amplified, it says that fidelity is what purges this iniquity out of the heart of man. The moment you can come and feel safe, if the gospel that is preached to you doesn't make you feel safe, you will always tend to the law to do something so that you can feel safe and that is what will kill you. So when you hear the gospel, you must know that in Christ Jesus, you are perfectly safe. Perfectly safe. And that is the only place where you can be safe. So when you are in Christ, when you believe this gospel of God's unconditional love, I want to tell you, there's not a place where you can be safer. I cannot be touched by judgment. Not even God can judge me. It says, who can bring in condemn condemnation against the elect of God? Is it God who justifies? Not even God can bring in an accusation against me. Although I found many preachers today think they are above God bringing in accusations against the church of God. Like one guy said, you know, how can you expect God to bless you on a Monday if you robbed him on a Sunday by not tithing? You know, bring in an accusation. Well, well, you, Jesus Christ says you're not guilty, but I found you guilty. I mean, who do you think you are? I mean, <laughs> not even God brings in, brings in an accusation. No preacher. The accusation they bring is frivolous. It's just useless. It is just not supposed to be there. It is just powerless because we are in Christ. The righteousness that I have is the very righteousness of God. That is what it is. There is no other righteousness but the righteousness of God. We have only got that one righteousness. So, when I'm inside that, I am as safe as what Jesus is. I am not only righteous now, but the righteousness that is given to me is from everlasting to everlasting. So, that is why God says, I can never and will never remember your sins. I will never think of your sins, for it is impossible to think on my sins, for the righteousness that is imputed unto me is from everlasting to everlasting. 
the life that I have is everlasting life. That word everlasting in the Greek means without beginning and without end. So when I look to my past, I don't relate to my past on, well, you know, I only, I am now, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm sticking to righteousness now for five years. No, I'm in a righteousness that supersedes the understanding of man. The righteousness that I'm into and that pertains to me is the righteousness of God. And that righteousness has been imputed to me. So, since when have I been righteous? I've been righteous with the righteousness of God. So, I can't look to my past and find sin. I can't look to my future and find sin. I can't find any iniquity in that righteousness. For it is the righteousness of God which is unto everlasting life. When Jesus Christ comes and uh, um, returns and we receive immortality, I don't think we will even have a mindset of that we were ever able to die. Because the life that's been given unto us is the life of God, which is the life of Jesus, which was from everlasting to everlasting. So we'll enter into a timeless time. If we, if I, by, uh, um, I mean, gebrek aan ordentelike woord om het te kan verduidelik, that's, that's what it is. So, if we can come and realize, you know, that in our time span, yes, here I've accepted the gospel, I've entered in, like I read, you know, there were times, like, like Paul said, I'm only, I came into Christ at that time, the other person came into Christ at that time, but once you're in Christ, when you look at your righteousness, when you look at your holiness, it's an absolute holiness. It is a perfect holiness. So, let's not come and neglect this rest. And let's just read the book of Jude there and speak on something that many people are scared to speak on, but this is what is in the Word. Inside Christ, I want to tell you, you can feel safe. Inside Christ, there is no iniquity. There is no law system. And that is what Christ wants to deliver you from the law system by bringing Christ unto you. By, by delivering your heart from iniquity. Now it says here in Jude 5, I will therefore put to your remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. So how did He deliver them out of the land of Egypt? People willfully went and slaughtered a lamb, took the blood, applied it on the doorpost, the angel of death came over, and then the firstborn of the Israelites, all the, the firstborn, were saved. Let me tell you something, if people were in Egypt, uh, the Egyptian side, and they also applied that blood, I tell you now, that their firstborn the kids were also being alive. Because the angel saw the blood and passed over. And then they were delivered by the blood that was applied to their lives. They were delivered from Egypt. So, what did they do? They believed Moses, applied the blood, went out, and they, they had to believe the next thing God told them, that is that the promised land is given to you for free. And that speaks of, um, I believe, the, the immortal retu- immortality, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of that. So, what do we do? We don't lose faith now, after we've received our salvation. We continue in the faith unto the end. Let me just read Jude, Jude 1 verse 5 here. It says, I will therefore put to your remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. So they first believed, were taken out of Egypt, and then they had a stick to the gospel of grace. Look at, 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 at Satan. He was perfect from the day he was created and then there was a time when iniquity was was found within so people let's not have iniquity let's not let iniquity find its foothold in our lives let's stick to this gospel of grace like Paul said I don't want to let's go to Philippians chapter 3 Philippians 3 Philippians 3 how is iniquity purged it's by knowing the unconditional love of God the message of God's grace How is iniquity kept out of our hearts? By continual looking in, pondering upon this gospel of grace. By continually hearing how safe we are in Christ and by believing that we are safe in Christ. But the moment we come with a gospel that says you are not safe if you've done this thing wrong or done that thing wrong. Even if I'm in Christ and I do something wrong, I am still safe. 
But if I'm in a gospel that says, you know, I must now live right and do right, then I'm safe with God. That gospel robs me, and that is iniquity. I, I need more time and sessions to explain all of that, but just listen to Philippians here, what Paul says from verse 10. Um, from verse 7, But what things were gained to me, speaks about the law, those things I counted loss, why? For the anointed one and his anointing. Yet doubtless, I count all things, he counted it lost, and now he's still counting it lost, why? For the, ex, the exaltation that comes through the acknowledgement of Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do still count those things that I have suffered loss, done that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. And then it goes on here, it says, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So what Paul said here, and, and, and church, body of Christ, please hear me, I'm not trying to produce fear in your heart. This is not a fear-producing message. This is telling you how powerful the gospel of grace is, but bringing the reality of um, what Paul sat with and what the New Testament preachers that wrote these wonderful letters sat with and that was that people came in again and brought in a gospel of iniquity bringing, making people mindful of the law again and by in such a way robbing them of the truth it says you cast not away your confidence it says which has got a great recompense of reward in Hebrews so you can, you can cast away your confidence by allowing the message of, well, if I don't give, then God's not going to give to me. That is bringing fear again. That is iniquity. That is taking your mind and your emotions away from the place of safety. Let us just continually ponder upon, rest upon, think upon, give our lives to, count the law, and this is how, how serious Paul was here, count it done that he might partake in the resurrection of the dead. So what Paul was saying, the gospel Paul was preaching was this gospel. He said, listen, you believe in Jesus. When you believe in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit and because the Holy Spirit is inside you and because you believe on Christ and partake of His life and the Spirit of God is upon you, you are experiencing the power of the kingdom to come, according to Hebrews chapter 6. You are sealed unto the day of redemption. That means in the day of redemption, because the Spirit of God is in you, He is that seal, because He's in you. In the day of redemption, in the day of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have an immortal body. But now Paul clearly comes here and he says, the way I receive this anointing or the Spirit, how do I gain that? By counting all things dung and loss. And sticking with what Christ has said. Where do I get the power to, or the stick to itiveness, if I can use those words? Where do I get it from? From hearing this gospel and listening to this gospel and having this word having power inside me. Amen. For there's a day in which there will be a day of judgment. Where, where, where man will stand before God and those that are in Christ, the dead in Christ will be raised unto life. Now do you want to be found in your own righteousness or do you want to be found in Christ's righteousness? Let's read this again. And be found in Him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. So I want to be found in Him not having my own righteousness. So when Christ comes, I want to be found in Him. I don't want to be found in my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, through the faith that Christ has and what He has brought for man. I want to be found in that. How are we found in that? By saying, I am not part of iniquity. By saying, I'm not part of the law system. Now He comes and says, Not as though I have attained unto the resurrection of the dead, 
or either were already perfect. He says, I'm not speaking from a place of perfection, saying I've got immortality and that. He says, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. So he says, I follow after. I continue to stay in the gospel of grace. I don't fall under a behavior modification type of teaching any, any longer. I don't want that. I don't want to be justified by circumcision. I don't want to be prosperous by tithing. I don't want to be, be, be blessed in my marriage by trying to work 20 principles. But I want to be, I grab a hold of this thing, seeing that I am righteous in Christ, that my righteousness is a perfect righteousness. That it is from everlasting to everlasting. That I am found in Christ. Amen. That I was lost in Adam, but I was found in Christ. And this reality of Christ, when I partake of it, is from everlasting. It is beautiful. It is, it's, it's complete. And I want to see that, and I want to stick to that, and I never want to change from that. Hallelujah. Why? So that the purpose of this can find its manifestation in me. In the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But right now, I have the Holy Spirit, which is the proof of that reality now. So, I'm, I'm sitting here with, with the experience of that reality and it is real in my life now. But there will also be a manifestation of that in this physical body. Oh, thank you, my God. So, I want to tell you, we can never in our lives come to a place where we say, well, I want to embrace iniquity again. We don't want to embrace iniquity. Iniquity kills us. And we are given to a place of life. Life has been given to us in Jesus Christ. So let's not partake of a law system. Don't let anything tamper with your faith, my friend. Because we've got access into this thing, into this grace by faith. We are saved by grace through faith. And then say, the law is not of faith. The law is not of faith. And whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So the law is not of faith. We cannot be saved by the law system. We cannot be saved by the law system. And don't be ignorant of the greatness of God's salvation. God has saved you to the place. God has brought salvation to man. That man can be like Adam in the beginning, have a choice. Adam was perfect, like Satan. He was perfect from the day when he was created, but then iniquity was found within him. Adam was perfect from the day until iniquity was found within him. And then he was cast out of the mountain of God. Now I want to tell you, you are perfect from the day that you were created in Christ. When were we created in Christ? When was we found in Christ? The day you believed. And then the righteousness that came unto you was from everlasting to everlasting. So there was a day when I believed but what I entered in now is timeless. And they just make it great in my mind and so powerful. But don't let iniquity be found in you. It will never be found in Christ. For He cannot sin. And the righteousness that He stood up into is an eternal righteousness. But you can be in a place where you reject this man. There's a life for you in Christ. Why was Paul contending for the faith all the time? Why was he writing all the time to keep people in the faith? Keep people in the faith. Why did he write things like Philippians chapter 3? Why did he write things like Hebrews where he says, We are not of those who fall back. Why do you write things like Hebrews chapter 4 where he says, don't let your hearts be hardened like in the day of provocation. Why do you write things like Philemon where he's, 1 verse 5 where he says they started in faith and they end off not believing. Church of God, don't be tempted by Satan's message you know, of the law. Once you believed in Christ, righteousness is yours. You are saved by the grace and the mercy of God. Don't go back to a law system. Don't go back to do's and don'ts. Please run away with all of the power that's inside you from this Jewish system uh, and, uh, going back to the old Jewish ways. Those stuff are tampering with your faith. Uh, you know, the, the, and, and I don't want to attack people. I want to preach against certain people. But there's just something that I need to tell you for we guarding over your soul. I've heard people taking sacrifices these days. And then they go to Golgotha. And they go to the, the place where Jesus was crucified. 
And they, take, they say, if you give your money right now, we'll go to the place where Jesus was crucified and we'll put it there as a sacrifice. And God will pardon your sins. That is the, 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 the height of deception. We cannot believe that. That is not the gospel. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law to the deepest and highest degree. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, well, people, that is what I want to say today. We didn't get time to get into truth. We didn't get time to get into the real... Well, I haven't gotten to any of the, the scriptures here except Proverbs 16, <laughs> verse 6. Um, but know this one thing, that God loves you unconditionally. Let this gospel be precious to you. Let what Christ has done be precious to you. Stay in the faith. Hallelujah. Let this gospel... Don't try to believe it. Just hear the message. Amen. You might, be feel, you might feel, well, I'm under the law now. Do I have enough faith now? If that's what you hear, you, you missed it. Um, what I'm telling you is, continue to hear this gospel. And as you continue to hear this gospel, iniquity is purged from your heart. The law is just taken away from you. You know? So, yes, um, th- th- that's what I feel, you know, let, let iniquity not have place in you by continually hearing how God has set us free. It says here, those who believe us entered into the rest. Now, Bertie, but can I have unbelief? Oh, yes, you can. Can you lose your faith? Well, listen to a wrong message and you can lose your faith. I believe that. People might say, you might now want to switch this off, and you might say, Bertie, but can, can people lose their salvation? I, don't, I believe you can. I believe you can. Now, how, how do we lose our salvation? You don't lose it like a wallet. You can't lose your salvation by disobeying commandments of the law. You can't lose your salvation by sin. You can't lose your salvation because you've been in adultery. You can't lose your salvation because you've doubted in, a, in, in one or two days and you just felt like, oh, you know, I've, I, 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 I've, I've had a little bit of unbelief in this area or that area. But how can a man be saved except through Jesus Christ? If the gospel of grace is rejected and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is tramped underfoot, how can a man be saved without the sacrifice of Christ? So, yes, one can, but I don't think it's very easy. <laughs> you know, one, one need to really reject Jesus in, in, from the depths of your being with, with full persuasion in your heart. But let's not get to a place where we even listen to messages that where Satan tries to get that seed of bitterness into us. Where Satan gets that, 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 that word of, of iniquity into our hearts so that we can depart from the living God. Clearly in Hebrews, you can depart from the living God. He will never leave you, but you can depart from Him. You know, so let's stick in, stick to God, stick to this gospel of grace for the way in which God has got a hold of Jesus. That's how He's got a hold of you in the simple faith message and what God has done for us. Well, thank you so much that you have joined us. I know that God loves you, cares for you, and just stick to this message. Stick to the gospel of God's grace, and you will surely know that you are safe in the spurts from your heart. Remember this one thing: you can always enjoy the love of God. Amen.